0: Well, here we are. We've made it to episode number 21. So, happy 21st off airers. Um, If it's your first time listening, welcome to the podcast where Nick Stewart and myself, Tim Rubin, pull apart our top three stories of the week and have a look behind the media curtain. Each week, I come up with our favorite three stories. I throw them at Nick. He has no idea what stories we're going to be getting into. Um, I'll tell you what they are, though, so that you can play along at home. Um, Number one, we're going to be doing Can You Sue a Reality Show, The Australian Laws That Could Be Changing, Ellen DeGeneres' Apology That Falls Flat, and The Omnibus, Dan Andrews' New Anti-COVID Laws. Uh, if you do want to get involved we have a Facebook group uh, just search off air in Facebook we would love to hear from you it's off air
1: Tim Nick yeah hey. with Nick, hey. Nick and Tim it's real talk hey. it's real walk the same gossip is just what we say when we're off air Tim, it's real talk. It's real talk. Just two opinions. We spit what we say. When we are. Yeah, it's real talk. It's true talk. It's two opinions. We spit what we say yeah, when we are. Happy twenty first, Nick. My goodness, I never thought we would make it. We can legally drink in America. It's incredible. This is our twenty first episode. It's been going for a while. Should we have a twenty first party theme or something? Should no. we do speeches? No, no speeches are the worst. Who did anyone make any speeches at your twenty first birthday? Um. Yeah, there were the regular,
0: like, embarrassing speeches, but I think the most embarrassing was my drunken speech, and I had just—I was twenty-one, obviously, so I just graduated from acting school, and I was really like at the at the prime height of wankiness, because (laughs) when you're in acting school, you're like acting is everything, and then as you, the world is
1: my stage. (laughs) And then as
0: you leave, you realize that no one gives a shit. And so that gleam just slowly like gets worn down by reality. Mm. And so mine was literally like within weeks. And so I made a speech and I think, I mean, I I was pretty drunk, but I made some reference to turning 21 being like waiting, (laughs) being like waiting for Goddard, the play. Oh, no. (laughs) Um, oh, even look, shit. it didn't take long for me to start looking back. I mean, like, I mean, like a week. Yeah, for me to start yeah. getting back really on introspective and mean oh, no. like, "What the fuck was I doing in front of my family and everything?"
1: Oh, that is fantastic, though.
0: That is great. And- I was also dressed it was a it was a favorite movie character party and so I made that incredibly self-righteous speech Dressed as an avatar from the
1: movie Avatar. <laughs> How is that your favourite movie? They should have not let you graduate. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have been allowed to graduate acting school if Avatar. If Sam Worthington is your height, if he's your no. Al Pacino in Godfather 2, then you need to have your acting licence revoked. It was a good movie. It, was, it changed cinema. For what? It's just Fern Gully in 3D. It's the exactly. live-action remake of Fern Gully. It was 3D, it was...
0: <laughs> so my 21st was a hoot. I'm cringing How... for you. I'm. <laughs> How was your 21st? This 21st is going just as poorly, by the way.
1: <laughs> Uh, yeah, mine was fun. I, I got tired and kicked everyone out at about one o'clock. It was at my house, and my parents were like, "Well, you can't go to bed till you make everyone leave." So I walked around <laughs> in my tiara and my um little princess hat and made everyone get out. My crown, good. And that that's was very.
0: It. That's very fitting for you. I think that that makes a lot of sense. I like that.
1: Yeah, I didn't do a speech. I I did I did think to bring out a skull and do a bit of to be or not to be. Uh, I feel bad now. <laughs> Did you do? Here's to Nick. Here's True Blue. Did that happen for oh, you growing yeah, up in Queensland? Def- yeah, that yeah. was a big Queensland thing. That we were, we were, <laughs> mate. If it involves alcohol and singing out of tune, Queenslanders are I, all in. I think it's alcohol chanting and pressure. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's probably the three things we love the most up here, uh, north of the border. Should we do Nick picks? Do you have something for us? Watch the NBA playoffs. That's all you're getting from me. The NBA playoffs are on at the moment and it's, it's sort of defining my life. There's nearly basketball on every second day. If you don't follow the NBA, they have moved everybody uh, to um, uh, Orlando and they're all living at Disney World. So all, all the professional basketball players for the past eight weeks have been living together in hotels in Disney World and competing against each other on a daily basis. And slowly people have been getting kicked out of the bubble. So when a team gets eliminated, they have to leave Disney World. Uh, but they do get to see their wives and families again, which I think some of them are really enjoying. But at the moment, there's a big battle going on between uh, Los Angeles and the Denver Nuggets. And then in the Eastern Conference Finals, the Boston Celtics are taking on the Miami Heat. And that's a really good series as well. That's all you're getting. That's my nick pick. I That's a
0: very good nick pick. Firstly, it sounds like a reality show. If if nobody's filming that, then there's a huge missed opportunity going
1: on right now. Oh, it'll um, be the next Michael Jordan documentary. 100%. Yeah. Who, who's your money on? Who's going to win? I hope Los Angeles do. I hope, I hope the Lakers, because it's the year Kobe passed away, so that would be very fitting. It's LeBron's fourth championship. It's, it, it would be a great narrative, and it's theirs to lose at the moment, which means they probably will.
0: Okay, I've got a really basic nitpick. I think there's probably going to be a lot of people who roll their eyes at this because it might sound like uh, 10 years ago for them. But I've been getting really into um, a show that you can watch on the Channel 9 app um, have you ha- have you seen the TV show House Hunters International? Have you seen this? <laughs> yes. That's not a
1: nickpick. You can't turn up every single week and rag me for my crappy nickpics like mother's advice which I did last week and then turn around and and just pull out the show that is on constant replay on Channel dot- like that's the show you watch when you you and your partner are cooking and you're like ah, do you just want some background noise? Yeah, let's see what those Americans are going to buy in Escondido. <laughs> well, I'd right. never
0: seen the show before.
1: It was It's new It's new
0: to my life from this year pretty much. And um, Ellie and I have gotten so addict to it, addicted to it, we don't call it House Hunters. We call it the Dumb Americans. <laughs> so we say, are you up for a quick ep of the Dumb Americans? Because what I like about it, and I don't love the regular House Hunters series, I like the international because... You get to see them buying the houses, but more importantly, you get to actually pinpoint the moment that they realize that America isn't the whole world. And it's just incredible every single time. We watched an episode yesterday. It was
1: a family moving to rural Japan. Oh God, <laughs> why? 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 I mean, not, not knocking rural Japan and all our listeners there, but why is they going from America to there? the the wife had the wife had a job opportunity
0: and it took her up until the third house to realize that these tiny beautiful ornate japanese forest houses were never gonna fit her seven foot dining table like (laughs) each one she was like well it's not gonna fit the dining table (laughs) so that's my
1: that's my nitpick. call it lame if you want i'm sorry I'm not saying it's live, I'm just saying it's dated. That's like that's like me coming on here and being like, you guys uh, seen The Little Mermaid? Hell of a cartoon.
0: There might be people who haven't seen House Hunters International. Anyway, it's on the Nine app. So oh, right. this isn't an ad for that, but it, it's a good app. You ready for stories? Please. Story number one. Can you sue a reality show? A bloke by the name of Jamie Doran, who you might remember, he was on The Bachelorette uh, a couple of years ago, and more recently he was on Bachelor in Paradise, announced in July that he was going to be suing the production company Warner Brothers for their portrayal of him in The Bachelor series. So the company originally laughed it off. Um, There was a lot of speculation about it basically just being a bluff. And now, in the last 24, 48 hours, they've announced that he has actually signed up a lawyer. He has a very serious lawyer and legal team, um, Keith Raidenback from Raidenback Legal, and they have officially lodged their claims. Originally, it was going to be against Channel 10, but it has moved to be just against Warner Brothers, which is the production company behind The Bachelor. It is totally real. They are suing them. Nick Stewart, could this be... The end of reality TV as we know it.
1: Well, if he wins, it will, won't it? Like that, there, there's he has because this is the crying guy, isn't it? He got famous because he cries a lot. He got famous for crying. He was also labelled um,
0: stage five clinger. Yeah, I, I mean, he seems he, he's got dark hair. He's like kind of a, like a big buff dude. He is a firefighter, and I say this honestly as nicely as I can. Um, he do, He doesn't come across as the sharpest tool in the shed, and <laughs> He, like, I think that his kind of emotional maturity was probably taken advantage of by the show. You could see him being manipulated throughout it, and he got painted very, very, very badly.
1: And that's what these people do. Can we just let's let let's cut to the chase and explain how what reality TV show is now, where it's come from, and how it got there. And the simple fact is, reality TV now. Is neighbours or home and away with really cheap bad actors. It is with actors who don't know that they are being actors. Well, they some think do and that some don't. Betray- Yeah. Well,
0: I they think, think that they're yeah. being themselves, and they think that a version of that is going to be portrayed. And that is literally not how it works. You can, if you're an audio person like you or, or I mm. are. You can hear sentences being spliced together where they're chopping words out and in and forming sentences that these people have never said. Um, and creating characters out of them that they just aren't.
1: Yeah, don't go on a reality show, and that's the key. And especially, I think the biggest sign to not go on a reality show is when they accept you as the person to go on the reality show, because that means that you're an idiot. Like if they've if they have chosen you, it's all well and good to apply, and plenty of people apply. Obviously, it happens every single year. Maybe the block is the only one that doesn't doesn't count right. in this. But if, you are ch- if they're like, you know what, you are perfect for Married at First Sight, you have heaps of personality and we think we're going to work really well with you, then you should immediately not go on that show because it means they have got plans to portray you already. It really wouldn't surprise me. And you and I have friends that uh, have appeared in reality shows and we've heard the same mm-hmm. horror story from all of them, where it's just producers manipulating you to fit a role that they have already chosen before the show started. So, Mm. And the other thing is, you will not have long-term wealth from it. You might get fame from a reality show, maybe, although that's becoming less likely. But the flip side is, you won't make any money. Uh, It's not going to happen, and you're not going to get jobs in other places. You are just a pawn to be used by TV production companies. So if this guy wins this case, it is going to open it open it right. Even if they settle with him, like if they Mm. settle with him, it completely screws the Australian reality TV show industry. I really don't think it will happen though. I I think why? Well, because he's gotten a lawyer now. Yeah. Uh, The show channel 10 or, or whatever production company is Warner brothers. Yeah. yeah, Warner Warner Brothers, brothers. They got lawyers before they started the show. So they have had lawyers this every single step of the way. Uh, every media company in Australia has in-house lawyers or an in-house legal team, and they have consultants. And they would be consulting with their legal team right through the process to ensure that everything they've done is absolutely watertight. So he's, that's what I mean. He's gotten a lawyer as of today, and that lawyer now has to pick up the pieces. Warner Brothers have been playing this game since the inception of this show. They would be fully aware of what they can and can't get away with.
0: I don't necessarily agree with you. I don't know if you're right. I mean, you say, well, they have had legal teams on everything since the start. I don't think that there is legislation around this. Um, I think that this is probably going to be. This is the first case that I've heard of this properly going to trial. I, I'm pretty sure there have been um, there have been people who have settled out of court. I think some of the ex MAFS stars. Um, had some issues. But there, there there's nothing for them to base any of this on. Um, so I think that they have probably been acting very in a very cavalier manner, in a very confident manner, assuming that they would be able to basically keep on pushing and pushing the envelope and keep on really bullying and scaring um, these poor people who get really taken advantage of when they're put on these shows. And now we're finally going to see whether or not there are real implications of this in Australian law i mean i mean you say well these companies have lawyers on retainer so do newspapers, and newspapers get sued all the time. I mean, radio stations get sued all the time. We've seen we've seen it happen over and over.
1: Yeah, but so they weigh up. It those doesn't mean decisions. there's not a first. That there, there, there is decisions that are weighed up, and it works a little bit different. Because I would suggest they go as far as having their legal team screen the episodes. Like the difference the difference between a radio station getting sued is if you say something on the radio, it's there and it happens, and it's immediate. This goes through a pretty pretty uh, rigid editing process you and you totally could be right because people do operate outside of the law but i just i would be so surprised if this comes off i would be so surprised and it just opens the floodgates for everyone and we do say poor people they have also signed up for this and and i know that sounds bad and it's a bit of a cop-out but it's worth noting that we now have a pretty long case basis here of knowing that reality TV shows paint people in bad lights and people it's still. It's a assumed... new relationship, yeah. No, exactly. And people still uh, apply by the thousands to try to get involved in these shows.
0: Yeah. But I think um, I, I still just wonder if they're putting a lot of faith in the waivers and everything that they're getting these people to sign. And I don't think that any of this stuff has ever been tested in Australian courts before. So I think that it's I think it's about time because this stuff has grown and grown like it's really snowballed to the point where they're literally writing sentences. I mean it's almost like artificial intelligence. They're basically crafting sentences that these people haven't said and these things are having huge implications on these people's lives. Like the defamation that these people will be go, will go through like poor Jamie, I don't think that this guy would be able to do anything.
1: Well, it's only um, defamation we- if it's not true. That's the thing. Right. It's only slander if it's not true. If they have yes. footage of him doing those things. And as you said, if they've spliced stuff to make him. And the other thing is, is they like you have to allege something fairly critical against someone for it to be classed as defamation, even in a really litigious com- uh, like country like Australia or America. You have to really push the boundaries. To say he's a crybaby or to imply that he's a crybaby doesn't really do anything. Like, unless he can yeah. show it proves loss of income and-, and that it wasn't his actions that have caused loss of income. But, I mean, it's a bit of an arsehole fire department if they sack him from being a firefighter. Like, I mean, what is that going to... If anything, if he's crying a lot, I mean, that should help put out the fires.
0: Use the tears.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Send him in front line.
0: <laughs> We've got a stage five inferno. Get Jamie in there and tell him he's, he's not getting a rose.
1: <laughs> exactly. Just push him out. That's horrible. Uh, shout out to all the firefighters out there. You do do a brilliant job. Jamie included. I just,
0: Jamie included. I think there is a huge, um, I think there's a huge myth in this country to do with the signing of waivers. And how powerful waivers can potentially be. Oh, they mean nothing.
1: They mean like very little.
0: This is something that so few people understand. So I'm sure that a lot of people, when they see this story floating around, they're going to go, oh, but he signed his life away when he signed up to the show. Signing a waiver doesn't change the law. If I sign a waiver for you, Nick, saying that you can kill me, it doesn't make it not murder. The law is still the law. And really all those waivers are designed to do are scare people so that they are less likely to pursue something in court. The fact that Jamie would have signed his life away before going on to these shows, I don't think will stand up, will hold up to anything once he actually pursues it in court. And I think that if they do manage to win this case, it will change the way that reality TV
1: is made in Australia forever. But what is he claiming? That's what I'm saying is what is... What is he claiming? What is he saying? That he has lost income as a result of his portrayal on the show? That he wasn't? Like, what is he meant to say? I thought I would get a radio job out of this, or I thought I'd be on another TV show, and you guys have caused me embarrassment? Like, is it, is it illegal to, to embarrass someone now?
0: I don't actually have the answer, because he and his legal team have um, decided to keep the exact allegations very, very close to their chest. It's a very windy say- thing
1: to do. It's a very crybaby thing to do, Tim.
0: (laughs) They did say that at the end of all of this, a bad edit will be the least of Warner Brothers' worries. So they are claiming that it's not just a bad edit. Story number two. Ellen's apology falls flat. So this year there have been major allegations, uh, pretty much since the start of the year, about the TV show Ellen having a toxic workplace that promotes bullying. Um, These stories have grown and grown until at the start of August, the show responded by restructuring, issuing an apology and removing some key high up personnel. So they got rid of a bunch of people. The show also paused filming at that time. This week, Ellen returned for the start of uh, season 18, and it began with an official monologue by Ellen standing there talking to the camera and to the audience about how she personally apologizes and how she will do better. And already, Nick, the backlash has begun. So a former employee has come out and said, not only did Ellen turn my trauma into a joke, she somehow managed to make it about her. Um, It's been slammed in Australian media. Carl Stefanovic and Alison on the Today Show said, she just needs to go away. Um, Alison said there were too... (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what that means. Carl, Um, come That there were too many comedic undertones. Nick... Uh, has the Ellen brand taken on too much damage? Is it done? <laughs>
1: yeah, it is. It, it so is, is not it? And I look. What I haven't worked behind the scenes. The, the allegations against the two senior producers are pretty heinous, uh, and obviously uh, involved a lot of sexual misconduct and and sexual harassment and things along that nature, which is which is disgusting. She claims she didn't know anything about that, a- and that. Look, I don't know. You got to take a word for it. Um but I do think that she's lost a lot of her shine, especially in America, especially during a time when you would think uh, it, the majority of stuff like that, ratings have boomed because there's nothing else to watch at the moment. But she's, she's sort of been toppled. But this is what we do, isn't it? Like uh, Americans accuse Australians of having a, a pretty hardcore tall poppy syndrome, but this is a perfect example of them cutting down someone over a long period of time, rightly or wrongly. Uh, mm. She's had success for, what, 15 to 20 years? in that show and prior to that um, in a comedy sitcom. So I don't know how you come back. Like if you were Max Markson, what do you suggest she does? She can't exactly dance down the dance down the hallway and give out a bunch of cars and people will forgive her. I think people want to see her blood. Wow, that is so dark. If I was Max Markson and
0: P.S. I know his daughter. Um, uh, I, Shout I think, out to I think Max the...
1: Markson's daughter. That is, that is the weakest name drop I've ever heard of <laughs>
0: No, really interesting. I've got a lot of stories, but so I've seen how that
1: family works a little bit.
0: I can't get into it. Um, yeah, I think that a rebrand is in order. I think that you would have to do something big. Um, I think that the giving away cars or something is is somewhere to start. And I think that there's probably places that you can go. I mean, the Black Lives Matter... Uh, protesting, which I believe is is incredibly important, has been very damaging for a lot of businesses and things like that, including um, for Black Americans businesses who have been damages damaged. Um, like there are some big things I, I, aside from COVID and everything. There's a lot of st- there's a lot of shit going on in America right now, um, and there is a lot of good that could potentially be done. She's so got an I elephant. Think-
1: she does good things. She's a very she is a f- she very does. philanthropic person, doesn't she? Have like yeah. didn't Porsche the, didn't her partner Portia Aussie chick? uh yeah buy her an elephant farm or something save the elephants somewhere in tibet or maybe it's the as some sort of animal she's helping there i mean she does a few (laughs) good things she's not all bad like i don't mind it no she's all right i I think it i think it raises an interesting question though because
0: we're living in this weird time of social piousness so the world has this newfound power where People have gone. Oh my god! We can cancel celebrities. Like we can start these waves online that have real ramifications in the in the world in terms of media and and pop culture and things like that. The question is, what comes next? So, uh, like in a judicial system, if somebody commits a crime, they go to jail or they get a fine or whatever, mm-hmm. and then hypothetically, that person is then able to move on and live their life because they've paid. The, they've paid the piper. They've paid their punishment.
1: Yeah, but they're reformed.
0: In the they've reformed in this world of mob justice. What happens on the other side Lynch-er. of the
1: backlash? Just lynch. Get 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 a lynch mob going. That's what I think. <laughs> Just hang a rope over a tree. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. Don't do that. Uh, no, especially, but what, like seriously though. Like, what do you think happens? Because this is not gonna.
0: This isn't the first person who is gonna. You know, and we're not talking Harvey Weinstein level stuff here. No. And I know that there were sexual assault things. Um, I don't think any of those have been, story, none of
1: those have been angled at her though. Or, and no. there's been no implication that she was complicit to those things. No. I think no. the bit, look, I, I get what you're coming at. I think the biggest thing is she will still have her money. She, it just her fame is tarnished. But I think the most interesting thing is what the lynch mob acts on. And that's where it's really, really curious from someone who ha- who's worked in the media is the thing that people seem to hate is a lack of authenticity. I mean, mm. in this country, we've got Carl uh, um, Sanderlunds over there. They've got Howard Stern. These people make filthy, horrendous comments all the time. I like them both. I enjoy listening to them. Uh, and people don't actively try to lynch them. There's a small small group of the population that do but most people go that's just that person being that person that's what he does exactly yeah. i think it's harder when you have someone like ellen where she's built her whole brand on being kind to people and then they go well you you haven't been authentic with us you've lied to us and you've deceived us it's like it's like if you become friends with someone and then you find out they're full of shit mm. and, and all of a sudden you go well oh, that's left a bad taste in my mouth Um, so that's where it becomes, that's where I think it's really interesting. And it's a good lesson for people is there used to be that element of Hollywood and glam and it's all for the show. And that's not Mm, what people want now. Yeah, exactly. People don't want the curtain. People want it stripped back. And I guess that's why it's interesting that podcasts and YouTubers and all of that world is becoming so much bigger because people feel like they're getting a real sense of the person.
0: Yeah. I guess the difficulty is, though, for a TV show like Ellen, uh, I mean, we we've we touched on the Ellen story um, a couple of months ago when it was first breaking. And the thing that I said then was everybody loves the sausage. Nobody wants to know how it's made. And when when you're talking about a show of the scale of Ellen, like they're pumping out five shows a week. And on every single show, Justin Bieber is jumping out of a cardboard box and surprising Hugh Jackman. You know, these are huge things to set up and orchestrate. And even if it is the happiest show on earth, behind the scenes, there is a lot of shit that has to happen to get Justin Bieber into a Justin Bieber-sized cardboard box and get Hugh Jackman standing on the X. And so I want to separate, uh, I think that the, the sexual assault thing is is kind of separate from the things that Ellen has been accused of. So if we remove that from the equation, there is going to be a level of intensity and pressure in order to make that show happen.
1: Yeah, um, but if you but the other thing you got to remember is the audience they're pitching to is, I would say if you had a target human in mind for someone that watches Ellen, it is Karen, mm-hmm. and and Karen loves to complain about things, and we all know that. So I just think you know know your audience, and, and you know, is, is, what if she is? She will only be cancelled if it becomes uh, not a profitable thing to do. If it remains a profitable show and advertisers still want to advertise, then the show will continue. That's the reality of it.
0: I I did notice when I was researching this show that there was a clear divide on what the different stories were saying depending on the type of publication. Pedestrian and other uh, very new age publications were saying Ellen gets backlash for this, Mm. um, for her apology being inauthentic. And then um, kind of more like older, more mainstream publications, aside from the Today Show actually, seemed to be um, very pro Ellen making her apology. So I do wonder if that that older, um, you know, older middle class middle aged woman that probably watches this show is going to feel that inauthenticity, mm. or if she's just going to be happy that the show is back on.
1: Well, that's exactly right. I think anyone that reads Pedestrian TV, and I do daily, yeah, uh, d- d- they don't watch Ellen. No, no one, like unless you are peak stoner that, that sort of reads pedestrian <laughs> TV and you have got all the time in the world of, of 11 o'clock on a Wednesday morning, you're not watching Ellen. So that again, it comes down to that like cancel culture. 90% of the people who are doing the cancelling don't consume the product anyway. And, and that's a capitalist society. Like as long as that, that product can still generate money, then it will continue.
0: Yeah. I just think that at the end of the day, we need to allow people to potentially improve and to potentially move on. And so if all we do is we shut people down and jump down their throat when they are trying to improve. And I don't, I mean, obviously we don't know Ellen personally, but I watched the apology speech and it is a comedy TV show. So the fact that she included some sense of humor in her apology, I think is on brand. I, um, I mean, we saw it with, uh, what's the name of the old talk show uh, announcer guy, the late night guy? Bill Cosby. Who did, <clears throat> no, not Bill Cosby. Um, he came out on, on his show and he spoke about how he'd been having an affair with his wife and someone was blackmailing him. Oh, and that's, David Letterman. That's David Letterman. And that speech was incredibly heartfelt and incredibly genuine, but it also had elements of comedy in it because that's what these people's brands are. So I think the fact that we're straight away chopping her down, Um, because there was a sense of humor in the way that she was facing this problem and trying to move on, I think is probably a little bit too soon. I think that we, we need to, in the same way that we, uh, um, speak about canceling people or hold people accountable. We also need to allow them to potentially move on. You're right.
1: I'm going to set up a GoFundMe for Ellen. I mean, you raise a good point, but at the end of the day, she's still Ellen DeGeneres. She's got an elephant she's farm fine. in Bali or whatever. <laughs> she's she's going to be all right. Have you seen the house she's doing the show from? <laughs> uh, I didn't even know people made houses like that. The way the wealthy live <laughs> is incredible. It's a good
0: point. I'm not donating to her. Go fund me. I think she should have a show. Should we move on? Story number three.
1: <laughs> Why are you pushing <laughs> such a pro Ellen agenda? I just like Ellen, okay? Give her a chance. Jeez, right, okay. <laughs> Sure, man. I'll take it easy on him. Okay. Story number three. Story number three. Story
0: number three. All aboard the Omnibus. Dan Andrews. Nick, come with me. We're going for a little journey for story number three into the deep, dark world of Victoria.
1: Okay.
0: Dan Andrews has launched some new laws in Victoria to give, get this, public servants the ability to arrest and fine people. So, these laws are drafted as a part of, uh, obviously, the anti-COVID measures. Um, They're called the COVID-19 Omnibus Emergency Measures Act 2020. Currently, they've passed in the lower house, and they are uh, soon to be debated in the upper house to become law. Uh, It's pretty full on. It would basically mean that there is, there would be potentially a whole other level of plainclothed police officers. Or they're not really police officers, but they're just public servants who would be walking around amongst us who could arrest us. Um, obviously, all of this COVID finding and everything has had a huge toll on the police, and this is a response to that. Have you have you heard about this story? Does, and what do you think of it?
1: I think I saw a super uh, right wing meme about it on an uncle's page on my Facebook where it talked about uh, the fact that accountants for the government can now arrest people for thought uh, like, like uh, for think, speak and stuff. It was very Orwellian. So I don't know the full details to it. I guess I've got two questions. My first one is, are there any public servants out there that want this? Like, is there any public servant out there that wants this authority or this level of responsibility? Because you would sort of assume if they did, they would have gone and become a police officer. Uh, and
0: second, so can I answer, before yeah, we yeah. get to number two, yeah. I I live with a public servant. My housemate, she is not into it. She's <laughs> like, she's like, I haven't done training. I don't know if I can speak officially on it. I'm not going to name her, but um, I think the answer is no. I think the answer is no.
1: Well, that's what I would assume. And then secondly, does Dan, is, is he just leading into the dictator Dan thing now? Like, do you think he's just uh. sort of in the same way that Scott Morrison is just leading into giving giant multinational corporations millions of Australia's taxpayer dollars and then saying that it's all the job seekers' fault? Do you think that Dan Andrews is like, I'm just going to make this as much of a democratic socialist state as possible while I still have a chance? Well, he's got the nickname.
0: I mean, once you've got the nickname, why not? Like, he's not going to come back from that. The thing, no I one's love... going to stop calling Scomo Scomo. No, he, but like, the, yeah.
1: He... The thing I love most about the Dictator Dan nickname is that anyone that lives in a country where a dictator is their leader, you can't call them a dictator. Like, like <laughs> if you lived, if you lived in Soviet Russia, and you were like, Ah, old dictator Joseph. <laughs> You weren't coming back from that. Like a neighbor was dobbing you in tomorrow. So it's usually a pretty good sign if you can take the piss out of your leader that you don't live in a dictatorship.
0: So, I I mean, it's very easy to criticize it and, and make fun of it and say that it's potentially a dictatorship. I think if you break it down, it's not as insane as it originally sounds. So, like, if you, like, we have enforcement officers for different departments In most areas of Australia that aren't the police. So if you're on a bus or a train or a tram or something and you don't have a ticket, the person that comes to check your ticket is not a police officer. If you are camping in a a regional area and you're doing something illegal by like starting a fire or something and and you get reported, you don't get reported to the police, you get reported to the state park office or or whatever it is in in the state or um, territory that you live in. So all this is doing is giving some of those powers, is basically dispersing
1: some of those powers. Well, I think it but- depends though, on the distinction, though, because there's a difference between arresting and fining. Like, I've been, I've been fined plenty of times and I've been arrested a few times. And when you get arrested, they take you with them. That's the biggest distinction I've always found, is that <laughs> anytime time I've been arrested, I have to go with them. Whereas when I'm fined, I get to go home. It's a really big difference between the two. Oh, I chose a really bad time to drink a glass of. Water.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm glad that you that this is what we're here for—to break down these <laughs> deep subtleties that most people would never know. Only esteemed media professionals can know. Okay, um, <laughs> do you think that it's a good idea? And does it scare you?
1: I think fines are for it. It doesn't scare me because I'm not in Victoria and you guys just have your Mm -hmm. whole other... It's just a different world down there. It's it's Mm. trade-European. But it doesn't... (sighs) That's a really hard question. Uh, Extreme times call for extreme circumstances. I do think that Victoria is in a bit of an extreme time at the moment. This seems like overkill. If I'm being honest, it seems... A little bit like overkill. I guess the thing that I find interesting is, and I was thinking about this the other day, is that they're constantly reporting the amount of people they're finding in Victoria. But I would love mm. to know what percentage of people they're getting. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if, 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 if the police come out and say they find, you know, a hundred people over the weekend for drink driving, then God, how many people out there are drink driving? Because they're not, they're not getting a hundred percent of the people who are committing the crime. So are they they finding that the police are overwhelmed in facilitating this? And secondly, like, what is, is this if someone is on a bus and they see the person across from them and they don't have their mask on. So they go, look, mate, I'm going to have to find you. Where's your mask? Or is this like going door to door counting people in the houses? Like, I just think, I guess my biggest concern is for the people who are going to be pushed into enforcing this, because as you said, and as we said at the start of this, they didn't sign up for it.
0: Yeah. I think, I mean, part of the story that we are not seeing is that there are a limited number of police and these people have, the police in Victoria and really across a lot of Australia right now have probably been pushed to their limit, to their capacity for the majority of this year now. And at some point, this is going to have to be scaled. Like, I think we're getting to a point where we're going, okay, what's going on right now is probably going to be some sort of normal for who knows how long until there's some type of vaccine And so I don't know what the funding of the police is. I mean, this type of information hasn't been coming out, but I'm sure that they would be working double time, overtime, getting as many people on as possible. And they might be going, okay, we need to figure out some type of long-term solution to this. Because when they're talking about this green, orange, red uh, traffic light solution, they're basically looking at creating borders around postcodes. At the moment, they're talking about, they're calling it the steel ring outside of Melbourne. They have police literally, Checking every car going in and out of Melbourne. I used to go to into a strip air-
1: club called that. <laughs> you used to go to a what? A strip club called the Steel Ring. <laughs> did you get COVID there? No. I did get arrested though. No, I'm kidding. I didn't. Know. <laughs>
0: I mean, I think that if we want these solutions to be sustainable, they are going to have to do some different things. But it's scary, the idea of there being just people walking around amongst us who could potentially find you if, I don't know. I don't know. Like, like I think all of these rules and laws are still so murky. If I am walking in a park and I'm going to sneeze, am
1: I allowed to take my mask off to sneeze? Like, I don't know. Well, that's the hard thing. I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's too murky. At the moment, it's just too murky. But the key is like... I don't think, I mean, it's really hard, but I don't necessarily think anyone should be fined if their intention was was not bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, as you said, if you take your mask off because you need to sneeze in public, then I think that that's, man, anyone that fines you for that is an asshole, regardless of whether they're a cop or a public servant. Like I think that with this whole thing, there just needs to be a healthy dialogue. It's, and, and it should never be like in a healthy functioning democracy, It there should never be an us versus them attitude towards authority. And if you look at America where there is a massive us versus them attitude towards authority, it's also a really, really unhealthy democracy. If you look in countries like Scandinavia mm. Um, there's a lot of respect for the police, but it's also treated as just another profession. It, just like you have a, a milkman that brings you milk or you have a doctor that fixes you, you have a police officer that's there to regulate the community. So the, the number one thing is, if you're not doing anything wrong, then you shouldn't have any issues in the first place. Do I think it's a bit weird to make public servants pseudo-police, like, like giving them you know, uh, like a hall monitor? authorities it certainly seems weird but i'm not involved in the inner workings of of that state government either and and i don't live in that state so i don't understand the full length and breadth of what's going on i think the biggest thing is could these fuckwits who keep uh holding these anti-mask rallies just stop that because that would probably ease a lot of the stress and pressures on people in general anyway
0: well, you're probably right. I think that there needs to be some type of response to you know, these anti-mask protests and the amount of people who are trying to sneak out of their postcodes or their city or their state or things like that. And once those things start to settle down, then hopefully the police won't need um, these new laws to come so that they can disperse their powers. I think it'll be really interesting to see if it does, does happen. It's um, annoying a that- lot of
1: people. I do love how like extreme conservatives. And this is a hangover from America with the, with the Republicans is like the, the whole thing where the Republicans is in general, Republicans are very anti-governance. So they don't like any sort of legislation until it suits them. And that's yep. unfortunately seems to be developing in the Australian conservative community as well, where they're like, well, we shouldn't have any laws except for the ones that protect my offshore accounts. So you're right. <laughs> There's going to be headlines off it. Alan Jones will do an article. It's going to be interesting. Sky News will be all over it. Oh, they'll love it. They'll love it. Dictator Dan steps up again. Oh, Carl will go off. Carl can imagine that. Carl can go straight from an anti-Ellen segment to bailing up Dan Andrews as to why he wants um, fucking public health servants to all of a sudden arrest people. It's That'll be <laughs> scintillating TV. And you'll be able to watch it all on the Nine Now app right after you watch your, your stupid American <laughs> House show. House
0: Hunters International. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Stewart, happy 21st birthday for the Off-Air podcast.
1: Do you want to do a little, do you want to do a verse or something? Do you want to do a little bit of a speech from something? (laughs) Just a monologue? Maybe taxi?
0: (laughs) With Robert De Niro? Yeah. I've got nothing. I've got nothing. If you are still listening, thanks so much for hanging out with us. And um, jump into the Facebook group. We'll make a speech on Facebook. How about that? (laughs) Let's not. Okay. Search off air. We've got a uh, Facebook group where we um, uh, throw all of our story ideas around during the week. We love to hear what you think of them and we would love to chat with you on there. Um, Otherwise, we'll catch you next week. See you later.